Hello, and welcome to The Impact Indicator, the podcast for social entrepreneurs who want to scale their impact. I'm your host, Marielle Briant. Each episode, we talk to startup founders who are building software businesses with a focus on the double bottom line. Today, I'm joined by guest Saran Sal, founder and CEO of Mirza. Hello, Saran, and welcome to the show. Hi, Marielle. Thank you for having me. Yes. So if you would, before we dive in, for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit of information about your background, how you got to where you are today? I think that would be a great place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Well, background that's easy to find online, I guess, would be I was a gender studies major at Harvard, somehow wound up in tech after thinking that um, the policy sector would be the best place for a, a hyper-feminist nerd. Um, but I landed at Uber and built the driver support team there in New York City, uh, scaled and ran that for the region. The stuff that you wouldn't see on LinkedIn is that I'm a first-generation immigrant and raised by a single mom. So when my family immigrated to the States, my mom had to take a back seat in her career. And um, that was a choice that I watched growing up and realized as a kid that it's a very personal psyche toll. And now as an adult, I've realized that it's also a financial health toll, but so definitely um, drove the gender studies and drives a lot of what I care about. I remember when we uh, first met, you did talk a little bit about this, you know, the social justice fight that you are leading and this sort of revolution that uh, um, with Mirza. So we'll get a little bit into Mirza and, and what you've been doing in just a bit. I wanted to talk a little bit actually about this, the sector that you're in. So can you, you know, I, I imagine that, you know, this is, this is an, an emerging sector. Uh, and, and folks might be hearing about um, some of these companies for the first time. So can you just tell us a little bit about the the space, the industry, you know, and whatever words that you would use to describe it? Um, and then there's maybe like how you would describe it to yourself, but maybe also how you would describe it to uh, potential investors might be different. So I'm kind of curious um, what you have to say about that. Yeah. So I would say that I work in the care economy. And the way that I think about the care economy is a layer of labor that is quintessential and unlocks all other labor. So if we didn't have childcare, elder care, um, we didn't have that simple infrastructure, we would be lost as a society. Truly, if we didn't have someone who cared for the the neediest in in our families and in our communities, then no one would actually be able to do the other jobs that are often paid and paid more than the care economy work. So I think about what we do fundamentally in this sector is trying to build um, systemic solutions and building building what actually should be valued and compensated work. The more we can draw attention and 
dollars and solutions into a sector that desperately needs it and desperately needs to be valued, the better it is that we're able to really unlock economic gains overall. Um, I'm not sure if that's necessarily how I would talk about what the care economy really means to a, a VC. I wouldn't necessarily say that getting care work counted in GDP is what this what is the potential for this uh, for startups working in this space. But I think for a lot of folks who are are in this care economy space, there is definitely a North Star in being able to honor and recognize and compensate and value the people whose work is fundamental. I love that. The North Star, we hear that a lot, but it really means something when you're trying to change the status quo or some sort of norm around how things are. And that's that's something that you're doing with Mirza. And, and let's get into a little bit of some of the problems that you guys are solving. So having worked with your co-founder uh, Mel in the, the kind of earlier stages of launching your kind of MVP for employers, you know, I know you guys have made a good amount of progress since then. But you know, for folks, again, who, who are not familiar, what is it as a software platform um, and, and what more importantly, what problems does it solve? Yeah. So very fundamentally, we're solving childcare affordability. Um, and a very fundamental problem is often that heuristic that you hear of mom salary versus childcare as a trade-off. Um, how often do you hear a woman often saying, the childcare bill is half my salary or it's more than my salary, or worse if a partner is the one who says that about his wife's salary. So we're working with employers to tackle what is effectively a macro cash flow problem. So we work with employers to offer zero interest forgivable childcare financing. It spreads out costs over time and ties forgiveness to key metrics for the company. Um, we provide a platform that builds the program based on employee demographics, age, earnings, and, and so on. Um, and then runs and tracks that program. So by tying this forgiveness to retention or attendance, it's effectively being able to deliver a, a care subsidy with some strings. And those strings make it something that it's something employers can get behind. Um, the really big why behind all of this is that initial mom salary versus childcare heuristic. So if we think about it that way, that single year, what that misses is the 39% of lifetime earnings that a parent loses with just one year out of the workforce. So that's effectively why it's this kind of wow. macro level cash flow problem. And there are tons of negative externalities that come from it that hit the employer for turnover. So why not align interest there and bring that lost money from the employer, use that to offset costs for employees and bridge that time gap so folks have the real choice to be able to stay mm -hmm. at work, the real choice for what types of care work best for their families and have real choice for how they want to provide for their families. 
So this makes me want to ask really um, for, for, for people to be able to imagine, you know, what it looks like. So, you know, maybe there you could take us through a specific scenario, like an example scenario where, you know, what's happening with, with a partner, whether that's an employer or a provider, but basically before they're working with you and what does it look like afterwards, um, you know, to, to give people an idea of, of the transformation that uh, people can make with access to a service like this. Yeah. So let's take a, a large manufacturer that has overall roughly 20% turnover each year. That's extremely expensive and they can't hire quickly enough to be able to, um, to stop the bleeding or keep their lines fully staffed and replace those folks. And that is an impact for just general growth rate and not simply operational excellence or operational success. So the way that we'd work with them is look at the fact that that highest turnover is between years zero to two. And we structure um, forgivable subsidies that vest similar to stock options over a longer period. So for each year of service, an employee's getting 5,000 bucks in monthly disbursements, that cuts their cost of care in in half in uh, in the regions where this company operates. And then that employee also gets 2,500, so half of it forgiven for each year of service. So it's a way of actually building in the incentives for employees to be able to stay in this work and for the employers to be able to help stem that turnover problem. I know that generally, you know, being in the employer benefit space is challenging. There's a lot of companies that want to, I mean, selling to employers is hard. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, and especially with, with services that are sort of care related, you know, just looking at, I think I was looking at this report that was put out, might have been the Pivotal Ventures report mm-hmm. on um, on the care economy. And it was basically still, um, you know, sizing the market, which, you know, I think they, they were saying it's in a $650 billion market uh, opportunity. So employers are waking up to the sort of value of employee benefits that focus around care. But when you look at spend, it's, it's still a really small percentage. So, and I, I guess this is a really big, this could be a very big question, <laughs> but wh- why is that, 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 um, that it's still such a small amount and, and more importantly, like, how do we, how do we change it? How do we get employers on board? Yeah. Well, I, I think there are a couple of different threads here. The fact that this is such essential work and yet there's very little attention paid to it is, um, in part, simply the fact that a lot of it isn't counted and a lot of it is invisible and it's in the home. So we made a decision with what is included in GDP to exclude the very important labor that has at home. And so that obscures that work and its economic impact um, from a fairly fundamental standpoint. And what's counted and what's measured often drives how what, what we pay attention to. But then from an employer standpoint, for the longest time, because, well, 70% of the decision makers 
So CEOs, policymakers are have been men with traditional family setups. And by traditional, I mean that stay-at-home partner. These kinds of problems where work and family and caregiving run right into each other hasn't been something that folks have understood. I actually think COVID has been really helpful in making this labor visible because um, for those decision makers, taking aside the headlines uh, that we had almost every day for a while on how childcare is broken and 2 million fewer moms in the workforce, just take all of that aside. Now that that labor is visible and kids don't have anywhere to go if you're caring for someone, an elderly parent, that is physical work that you're doing. That has really been a sea change. So I'm, I don't think that's necessarily something we as a, um, as a company would necessarily say is something we can do, but it's making sure we don't miss it on this moment and help people remember how important it was and how much we struggled when we didn't have childcare. Are there specific rituals or, to, you know, little little things that you do in the day to day to help you know your team or even just for you to kind of make sure that you keep that in mind, keep rallying around this this idea? And what what are some things that you guys do as a team to make sure that you kind of keep um, this idea of empowering women and and making sure that women don't have to choose between family and career? Um, you know, how, how do you remind yourselves of that on kind of a daily basis? That's a really good question. I think as a team, we've, um, we've tried to really build it into the culture itself and how we work. So we have caregivers on our team and we've been very deliberate in communicating why we're a remote first and flexible workplace because that's very much within our values and our ethos and what we're trying to build. Um, it's almost a reminder every day for the for our team, given the very specific nature of our work. If you're building a product that is meant to um, help employers support the cost of, of care or um, reading research to be able to put out marketing and stats um, to be able to help inform. That is almost a daily reminder in the work itself. So I actually think it's more important that we give people the the space to be able to think about it for themselves and and actually index on the very intentional gatherings that aren't necessarily daily, but um, on a monthly basis um, that we talk about our why and we talk about um, some of the stories. So our entire team has shared at various points why this mission really matters and we've just tried to make sure that we build in those intentional points to share those stories amongst ourselves. And it's a really nice chance to be able to think about our the folks we work with every day outside of um, outside of the very specific work bubble and work frame. I like that. 
I definitely had a great experience working with you guys um, several months back. Oh. <laughs> so something else that I, this got me thinking um, that also connects back to something I read about in the Pivotal, Pivotal Ventures report was, you know, ab about some of these, the challenges, you know, you alluded to this when you talked about some of the decision makers. I think this is also true, probably more importantly, from an investment lens. I think a lot of the you know, women being the ones who've sort of lived these problems, and especially if we're talking about childcare, like they're they're still the ones mm -hmm. who are investing, uh, or who see these companies as sort of venture backable, like who, who see these as real problems. So that that was something that that there was a panel on on sort of famtech, and that was something that a thread that that was pulled and and kind of resonated across the panel. You know, I'm wondering, you know, on your end, if if you've you've also found this to be the case, um, and then you know. I guess we'll, we'll start there and then we can kind of go based on what you have to say. We'll see where we go next. Um, the, just simply on the fact that it's often women solving problems that we deeply feel and understand. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I'll say that I've been definitely someone who's experienced that I've experienced early on in the pandemic, I will caveat, I've experienced um, investors telling me that childcare, how big of a pain point can that be? Um, or is it really that expensive? And I think that has entirely changed. Very few people will argue that this isn't a huge opportunity. I think actually what's really interesting is the fact that women often are the ones now who see how massive of mm. an opportunity it is and how massive of an opportunity the family financial caregiving world really has. Um, and we do have more, more women who are able to be the ones who are writing checks now. And that makes a massive difference. But I also think we've been very fortunate at Mirza to be able to work with um, wonderful men who deeply understand and feel the problem and have the human empathy to be able to not necessarily need to have gone through it themselves, mm -hmm. but still see the, see the need and see the opportunity. I think the past couple of years have done a world of good to change perceptions in this space yep the global pandemic has certainly accelerated <laughs> you know us looking for for solutions for sort of the, the modern family with all their needs from whether it's childcare, but then i know there's also you know aging and elder care so that full spectrum of care um has, has really been something that we've all um the, the the our circumstances have sort of accelerated the the need for more products more solutions that address um what we're going through and i'm glad to hear that <laughs> that you have been getting um some support in all directions what would you say are some of the whether it's it's biggest challenges or most unique challenges in, in being in this sector specifically from more of you know your perspective as an, an operator like running the business oh wow i think the level of well so there are definitely challenges in the level of complexity in the childcare space. Um, and I think in particular for us, we've been very intentional about why we aren't restricting 
we aren't restricting use of our product to specific types of care um, and how we want to make sure that care work as a whole gets compensated. So the funds that an employer provides for an employee to help support that child care bill is something that can be used not just for a family care provider or a daycare, but also um, if my child's grandparent is my caregiver of choice, that person should get compensated for that work because that person probably retired early to be able to um, do that or could use that extra support to be able to, um, well, be able to dedicate their time. So all of that really matters. And I think that is a load of uh, complexity and nuance in all of the tax and regulation and a uh, whole slew of, well, whole slew, but quite uh, that it's difficult to navigate, but not quite enough uh, government structures that can be in place to be able to help folks. So there's definitely a lot there that we've started unpacking and trying to build and innovate for but we're just at the start. Um, and then there are the challenges of that's HR sales that you mentioned earlier too, um, figuring out what is the best approach and the best messaging and the best customer base for our specific solution is just a, it's a test and learn process. And that learning is, super joyful and interesting each time but i i definitely feel the as an entrepreneur always the need to move faster and learn faster and just simply being constrained by um the hours of the day and number of people i can get in front of that is that's one of the bigger challenges um yeah i i think those are probably the biggest top of mind in this in this space and simply it all comes to making the economics work making the economics of a very valuable and uh, labor work yep yep and time is a finite resource so we only have so much of it it's it's you know you you guys are still in the in the early days and a lot of the things a lot of things change i know at that at this stage of business right you you you're learning very quickly or there's a short feedback loop between talking to customers and you know um, taking that into your products i guess with the you know this 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 is really interesting to me i don't think we talk about this enough but a lot of companies that are in the benefit space are really are trying to sell to employers or insurance providers it's difficult to it's difficult because there's a lot of competition and i did want to kind of pull that that string a little bit with you since it sounds like you guys have had some t some opportunities to refine the the offer what are some of the can you share a little bit more about that process and what kind of key insights you've kind of unlocked? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is just simply how much messaging matters down to, and this feels like such a no brainer thing, but at the same time, it's also just been so incredibly insightful from how we talk about the product as, oh, zero interest forgivable childcare financing or a, um, or a 
forgivable childcare advance based on who the employer's demographic is. The way that we talk about this really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been something that I by no means think we've nailed and have perfect and will continue to learn and iterate on. And even just a really simple learning of just how transparent and upfront and quick and easy uh, our website should be um, is is another. And and for us, I think it's just been a process of learning what are the key drivers for for this business or for this individual and what resonates with them. And that's ultimately, and how can we take those learnings and be able to figure out where it's more widely applicable and use that to our advantage? Mm, yes. Yes. And I can, as a designer, I can always say that, 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 um, you know, that interaction with the, the customer and really working with them and, you know, whether it's through pilots or, or, or beta programs to really kind of hone in on, um, you know, what, what problems does this really solve for them? Um, sometimes we have a lot of assumptions around what those are, um, because they're true for us, but you really have to find that kind of that bigger, more common problem that a lot of other people are experiencing. And so I'm glad that to hear that that's something that you um, have been able to, um, you know, to, to arrive at. I mean, that, that, that feels big, <laughs> no small thing. <laughs> it's funny how at once big and also at the same time small it is. Well, where does that, I guess, where does that leave you? Where, where does the, you know, whether it's, um, once you, once you've, once you've reached that point, do you have a, or is it, does it make things easier? Like the sales cycle? Um, does it, does it help? Does it make things more complicated? Um, what, what practically does that mean? I think it helps uh, having at least having messaging definitely helps um, and having insights into what specifically to index on for what sectors at the same time. Yeah, that, that stuff really matters. Um, and then it simply becomes that next exercise. It's all like a game of um Super Mario, you have to keep unlocking the next level mm-hmm. and then you just move on to the next level. And that next level is figuring out how we use the benefit cycle to our advantage in sales and the next, whatever we unlock then, that's the next level after that. So it's all of just these various little tidbits. Um, and sometimes you get a star and a power up and uh, those little, those what feels like it can be a small thing is also super consequential. Well, I love the, uh, the gaming metaphor here. Um, that's taking <laughs> me back to a long time ago, but I have a brother, so I, I did do a lot of that as a kid. Um, not, to, not to, you know, do anything with gender norms or anything there, but he was, he was very into Mario Kart and a few others that I won't, um, I won't, I won't, I don't recall. But, um, well, you know, I, I think this has been, super enlightening for those of us who are less familiar with the employer benefit space um, and who are maybe in the process of being in a, in a global pandemic and not really knowing uh, you know what services are out there so 
I guess this is something that I, I hadn't um, thought of, but would you, are there any resources or other companies um, that, you know, or tools that you, that you personally enjoy or have found others get a lot of value from, um, whether that's childcare related, um, you know, benefits related, or, um, you know, anything else, I guess, in this sort of care economy sector that we're, that we're talking about. What are a couple of things that, um, that come to mind um, as far as services or, or uh, solutions that you've identified? Yeah, well, I think the, our, our friends over at Parento are doing something really innovative and much needed, um, helping more companies offer paid parental leave. That is a, a and it's a insurance cell model and it's a major win. And it's, I think those two things, the two segments of this um, caregiving journey is very much what, what needs to happen um, and what needs to be tackled. Having job protected paid leave and then having access to affordable, reliable care, um, that's going to go a long way. So Parento is awesome. Um, and then I think there's a lot of folks that we really appreciate who handle the mental health side of things and the emotional health side of things. So um, a company called Alonza is in the fertility, um, fertility, emotional health space, mm-hmm. and actually really helping people um, process and then return to work. And we don't really tackle our emotional health uh, often and well enough. So it's really wonderful to have folks who are actually working on that. Lovely. I will definitely put those in the, the show notes as well. Um, uh, uh, Parento, I think that, that makes me think that, did are you um, partnering with them in any capacity or just a, a really great um, solution that you wanted to, that you wanted to share? They're a great solution that I wanted to share. All right. Cause I know you, you do have a list of partners on your website um, that's been there Um um, so people can also go and, and check those out. But uh, that's great, Saran. Um, where where can people find out more about you and Mirza uh, online? So we are at heymirza.com or at the our socials are all Mirza Says Hey, um, trying to be scrappy with what we with what titles we get um and then i am on i guess the the linkedins and the twitters um and i'm fairly easy to find i think are, I'm are you active just, on twitter i'm not really <laughs> i always think i should be but you know um life gets in the way work gets in the way well that's the same with me. That's I've, I haven't quite figured out how to how to do that. I need, I need to talk to the Gen Zs out there. <laughs> I, I think the Gen Zs would probably recommend a TikTok, which <laughs> I true. also have never gotten into. No, um, no, <laughs> might be a good thing actually. It's a rabbit hole. Yeah. No, you and I both. Um, well, thanks a lot, Saran. This has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time and and for joining uh, the show. Um, and, and I hope that we can talk again real soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm Marielle Briant, and I hope you join me again next time for the Impact Indicator.